Podcasting from the Midwest, this is No Bullies Please with Zach, the Zombie, and myself, Chad Hunter. Joining us is our sometimes co-host, Orlando. Hey! And we're here to discuss bullying prevention and promoting empathy in kids with a dash of humor, hope, and zombies. (sighs) Not only am I the host, but I'm also the author of the children's book, Zach and the Zombie, No Bullies Please. And I'm the presenter and developer of the school presentations, No Bullies Please, and Rise Up, Stand Up. Judy French staffs the Los Angeles office of the National Bullying Prevention Center, where she coordinates outreach and gives presentations, webinars, and workshops to schools, health organizations, and other community groups. Her speaking engagements have reached approximately 30,000 students, parents, educators, and community leaders throughout Ventura, Los Angeles, Orange Counties, and beyond. She has facilitated and presented workshops for many years throughout the country on communication skills, conflict resolution, relationship building, leadership, and self-advocacy. In her work as an educator, she has also run day camps, served as a middle school advisor, and an all-school librarian as well as mentored young writers on their creative projects. Judy is available to speak with Los Angeles organizations and educators about the resources available through PACER's National Bullying Prevention Center. Contact her at judy.french at pacer.org. All right, folks, you've heard the bio of Judy French of PACER. And let's get into some questions here on No Bullies, Please. Do me a favor and let's welcome Judy French to the show. Judy, how are you today? Hey, thank you, Chad. I am fine. I'm doing really well. It's it's very windy where I am, so if there's any noise uh, that you hear, it's the wind roaring around my house. But uh, it's a bright January day, and I'm really happy to be with you. Uh, you guys missed it, but Judy and I were just comparing notes. Her uh, her body of work is far more extensive than mine is. But for any of you who, uh, you know, educators or uh, administrators who have given speeches or talks before schools, it, we've we've come to the consensus that giving a presentation is like being hit by a car going at two miles an hour. And I'm like, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> I think it's more like, I want to say it's more like 20, depending on how the kids, you know, how the kids like your stuff. Yeah, but and so you will survive it. I think that's the, the bottom line is you'll survive yes. it. You just might need a little self-care. You will survive it, but you will know that you got hit by a car. But I enjoy it so much. And one of the things that's been so hard with the pandemic is not being able to be in front of people. However, you and I were also just saying that that doing things in an online platform, um, podcasts, Zooms, whatever, it does, um, there are a lot of folks that can join in who, who might not be able to travel to, to hear us in person. So I, that's also been, been pretty interesting to see um, that audiences really haven't declined, that people still want to learn about bullying prevention. So I'm really happy about that. 100%. And I think it's also very important in that, um, you know, in this in this pandemic world right now, and that you know that post pandemic, we really do grasp the use of technology to expand our our ability to get a good message out. You know, and it's you know the ability to reach people virtually really does alleviate 
some of the things that held us back, you know, we're not going to be able to buy a plane ticket or drive everywhere, but who needs that now that we've got the internet and guy yeah, just sound like, like a really old guy. Like we've got that internet. Yeah. So now we can go talk to anybody. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is um, if I look back at this past year, I said that has been so extraordinary in so many ways. Um, one of the things that I am so grateful for is this technology that bridges the physical distance and the fact that I can yeah. see family uh, all over the country, friends. I was at a conference last summer where people came uh, in from all over the world, even in different time zones, you know, to like they were waking up in the middle of the night to join this conference, but they could and we could see them and hear them. And so uh, I am really grateful for technology. It has really in, enabled us to still be in touch. So and grateful for you for doing the podcast. Oh. Thank you very much. And for anybody who's looked into the world of, of resources about bullying and empathy and, and those two uh, worlds, you cannot help but stumble across the giant that is the Pacer org. And I mean that respectfully. I mean, Pacer is, is mm -hmm. huge. And I think a lot of people don't know what Pacer is, exactly what all it is. Uh, it can help with or what all it entails. So first up, let's start off with how do you define bullying? Okay. So I, the, the definition that I'm going to give you is the definition that we use at Pacers National Bullying Prevention Center. And it's one that we've put together from the very best definitions. So I just I give a little run up to it because I want people to know that even in the bullying prevention space, there isn't one recognized definition. There are there are a few and it's not a legal definition either. So what I say is not going to be found precisely in someone's school handbook or, um, you know, in the district policy or whatever. So uh, what we did is we looked at the best uh, research based, evidence based definitions and we took the common, the most common characteristics, we call them hallmarks, out of out of those definitions. And there are three main ones and one that I'll bring up in a second. So the, the three main ones are this, bullying is hurt or harm done on purpose and it does not stop the person doing or the group doing the bullying will not stop even when they know they are hurting or harming the other person or when that person that we'll call the target asks them to stop. And usually the target cannot get bullying to stop because they do not have the same amount of power as the person or people doing the bullying. And so that's why what we say to kids uh, is if you or anybody you know is being bullied, you've got to find an adult you trust. And again, that means somebody with more power than you uh, and ask them to help. Um, it's something that a lot of kids don't want to do. I understand why. Um, but uh, most bullying does not resolve well until a caring adult gets involved. So three things, hurt or harm, done on purpose. The target can't get it to stop, uh, usually, because they don't have the same amount of power. Um, the fourth thing that isn't in that definition, but we bring it up um, separately, is repetition. So most legal definitions, in fact, all that I know of, have repetition as a key characteristic of the bullying, meaning that it doesn't just happen once. Uh, there's usually a pattern of behavior. And the only thing about that that's troubling for us 
coming from the, our perspective of having worked with kids with disabilities. Um, but just knowing what goes on in schools is that sometimes kids don't tell us all of the times that bullying has happened to them. They come to us and tell us once, but it might have happened 30 times already. Uh, or a child is threatened and believes the threat to be real, and that changes. They don't need anything more than that. So that repetition uh, factor as, uh, as a key part of, of most bullying definitions in uh, for schools and districts and legal things, um, we, that's a troubling one for us, and we talk about it a lot uh, in the bullying prevention sphere. So those are that's my definition, long definition. <laughs> you know, but I but I think that that definition <clears throat> hits on so many great points, and you know, it, it it you said long, and I say necessary because I think <laughs> you know I think that there is a a trap when it comes to bullying about that it can be simple. And bullying is, can be yeah, a very complicated no. thing, and it is. And, um, that's right. You know, that's it's, right. Whenever I give the pre the presentation of no bullies, please, I, I mention the kids that nobody's perfect, and sometimes you make mistakes. And I always bring up this instance where I had a friend once, and we were in college, and I called him a slacker, and I was just goofing off. I just called him a slacker, and later on, he told me that that, that really hurt his feelings because he really oh. worked really hard. And, you know, that he he never wants to be perceived as a slacker. And I was mm. I, I was mortified. I was like, oh, my God, I apologize a thousand times. Right. And I said, right. I will never call you that again. I never did because I knew that that hurt him. And I tell kids that bullying would be knowing that that bothered him and to continue mm -hmm. to call him that and to get other people exactly. to jump in, too. Like, so, exactly. I, I, you know, and then. And in that particular case, what was lacking, but what you pointed out was that there's usually a power imbalance. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, that's so crucial to understanding it. So I, I, I think rather than say that was a long definition, I say that was a, <laughs> I say that was a, a beautiful definition and, and it was dead on. Well, it, People, it's interesting. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was no, just going to say. People hear me talk all the time. You're the guest. Trust me. Well, it's just interesting. You touched on the one place um, that is often very difficult. Well, a couple of them that are difficult for adults to figure out the power between children, um, maybe between two people we don't know or even two people we know very well is not often clear to the observer. So between kids, power could be that, you know, the one kid doing the bullying is more popular or has more more folks in their in their group, you know, that, that that will back them up. But it could be physical power. That still happens. It could be something we just can't even guess. Uh, like somebody knows a secret that the target doesn't want anyone else to know. These things that still happen in adult life, um, you know, happen to children as well. And we may not know what that power imbalance is. It's, it's also something to remind us adults that very often um, uh, the usual suspects, we might have to reorder our thinking. You know, the kids that get along well with adults, we may think, are getting along well with their peer group or should not be the kids who are bullied. But very often, you know, you can't predict who could be bullied. There are some risk factors. But it's all just to say to any adults who are listening, it's not always obvious what you're seeing, uh, which is why we really got to talk uh, and have good communication or listen, rather. We need to listen and have good communication with the children um, who we care about and care for. 
Now, people who champion against bullying usually have a personal stake in standing up to it. So how and why did you get involved? Well, I, I'd been an educator and then I was working for a nonprofit that was working on um, whose mission was for girls leadership. And so I'd worked for them for many years and uh, um, moved to a different area and got connected to PACER. And what's so interesting about it is that I connected through kind of being available to you know, be here in Los Angeles and, and, and um, help run the Los Angeles office. But in truth, I do have a really strong personal stake, which makes it so very satisfying in that I was bullied as a child. I was a very different kind of kid, which happens, um, and um, had just was a bit of a loner, didn't always understand how to do you know, the social stuff of school, and uh, was bullied enough that um, I did what's known as um, reactive bullying in that I, you know, took that feeling of being powerless and figured out how to have some feeling of power of my own over well, the one or two kids who were actually lower status than I was. So I spent some time bouncing between being bullied and bullying this one other kid in the class especially who um, I would love to find and apologize to. <laughs> today. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of personal stake there. I do know how it feels to be, you know, the excluded, uh, part of the excluded. And, but I also know what it feels like to press on somebody's um, feelings um, in order to make, um, make me, make myself feel powerful. I know that as well. And that happens to kids. It happens a lot. Uh, so I come from both sides there, to be honest. Well, you know, and that's, <clears throat> I think you're the first, at least you're the first guest to admit it, but I think that that's such a unique, um, point of view is I mean, normally we talk to people who are from the aspect of, oh, like, you know, I, I was bullied or, you know, I know kids who, who have been bullied, but you've been on both sides of the fence. And I think that is... I think it's very easy to uh, vilify or, or demonize a bully. Yep. Um, I was bullied as a kid. So a as I get older and I realize just how gray and complicated life can get, yeah. I, I get a better appreciation for that things aren't just black and white. You know, it's not just yeah. like, and most bullies, you know, it's, it's like the old saying, hurt people tend to hurt people. Yep. You got and, that right. And, we we know that very often because kids this is like the number one question that kids write in about is why do people bully like they can wrap their heads around that it happens kids are realistic that way they get it they also understand some of the dynamics but they just can't figure out why people would be intentionally mean and we know that some of the time it's because these children are being bullied as well they <laughs> return the favor I guess you could say but but I, this is why we have to be so very careful when we're working on helping or resolving a bullying, bullying dynamic in any community for us to realize that it's a community problem and we have to get at it holistically. We can't just come in and say, oh, you poor victim, let's help you and ignore the fact that there's another child or group that needs a heck of a lot of attention. 
And that's not saying that there shouldn't be accountability because absolutely there should be accountability for what you do to other people. But if we really want to resolve it and not create more bullying, then we've really got to get at why is this kid bullying? Why is this kid being intentionally mean? And it's a hard sell for some adults. They just want children who are bullying to be punished or they want them to, to get out and be gone from whatever setting um, that the bullying is occurring in. And what that does is just kind of pushes the problem down the road. And we don't want that either. We, we really need to be tending to all of the, all of the folks in the dynamic. Yeah, and I think, and I'm, as I've stated numerous times, I'm not, I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, or, but I, I, I've been around the block a couple times, and as I, as I got older, and I was able to find out more about the kids who bullied me, I found out that each of those kids came from some type of uh, volatile home structure, mm. and I think that. You know, there's a term where I kind of think like an emotional reservoir. So these kids were going through a tough home life. They didn't have the emotional reservoir, the depth to 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 take that and not pass it on. So when any reservoir overflows, it pours onto somebody else. So they would dump that on mm-hmm. another kid. They would bully somebody. I think as adults, we only have the reservoir to care about the bully and not only the victim when it's not our kid. I think when it's our kid. Oh, yeah. 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 I think, when, as, yeah, I think parents <laughs> yeah. don't have the emotional reservoir yeah. to go, let's talk about the bully. But I think that's why it's so important that we have experts like yourself and the good people from the PACER organization and teachers and educators who are removed enough to take care of both sides. It's almost like, you know, like uh, an emergency. That's why medics and and, and mm-hmm. doctors and nurses are trained to be a little detached because everybody can't be losing their mind at the same time. Yeah, there you go. And then there are some people who love to be in the emergency room. Like they want it fast and furious and problem solving. Yes. And, and there's others who need to have a little bit slower pace. Um, yes, it is really difficult when your child is in the middle of a bullying situation. Um, and um, all of our protective instincts and, um, you know, they come to the fore. We, at PACER, we do, or at the National Bullying Prevention Center, we, we have a huge section of our main website, which is pacer.org slash bullying, uh, that is devoted to what parents and other adults need to know. So if your child's involved in a bullying dynamic, how do you break it down so you can do some effective work with your child? How do you communicate with the school? How do you create partners as opposed to, you know, (laughs) uh, adversaries? And that often happens and it doesn't come from a bad place. You want to help, you know, your child who's a target or you want to help your child understand that they are hurting other people. But very often it becomes an us them situation with schools or other, you know, community groups and so we, we, we try really hard to bridge that gap for adults, you know, even scripting conversations and laying out, you know, like, how do you have a productive meeting when it's about bullying and how do you ensure that there's follow up and follow through and things like that? You know, I, I, I don't know about you as a parent, but I know that I thought, you know, that that it would all become clear as we went through. <laughs> but a lot of the time you're just you, you throw a lot of energy at a problem and hope that it comes right. And when it comes to bullying, most adults just kind of are like, they, they really are at a loss right away. It hits them in a very deep 
place. And so we've tried to help, you know, offering um, suggestions for partnering with schools. Um, and so those are those are well. I mean, they're held in in good regard by parents and schools. Yeah, I think dealing with bullying as a parent, <clears throat> excuse me, as much like any aspect of parenting, just it's almost like don't look too close because you'll realize I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, yeah, it's just so I'm much. Yeah, i the seat of my pants. Yeah, one hundred percent. Now we've we've talked a lot about we've mentioned pacer, 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 and. I would be remiss if I didn't stop right now and ask you to tell listeners what is Pacer and how does it, how long has it existed? How did it start? And how did, how does it interact with the world of bullying? Cause I know Pacer does a lot of stuff. So you give us the who, what, when, where, why, and how of Pacer. Uh, I think everybody would be greatly benefited. Sure. Absolutely. So, uh, Pacer is a nonprofit that was formed in the late 70s. It's over 40 years old right now uh, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, and it was formed to help parents uh, of children with disabilities um, at, to access their educational rights. And um, <laughs> they thought they'd be around for a few years and they're still around. Now they have 30 projects. Uh, that help families, children, youth, um, all the way from, you know, birth to, you know, independent living and jobs and things like that. Um, and because we were doing this work uh, for children with disabilities, if you know anything about uh, that world and about the, you know, where it intersects with bullying, you know that children with, bully, uh, with disabilities are bullied at a rate of two to three times that of their peers without disabilities. And so all along we were doing also, uh, you know, content and work on bullying prevention. Um, finally, after a couple of years of some really, really awful stories and hardships that kids were suffering, our board decided to form the National Bullying Prevention Center uh, in 2006. So let's see, what does that make it? This is our, oh, this is our 15th year. Um, and uh, that's, we became very intentional starting with one website and now we have three websites. We have pacer.org slash bullying, which I always say is, is most appropriate for adults, you know, educators, parents, whoever's intersecting with the life of a child. Um, and everything's archived up on that site. So it's, it's a huge site. It has just, just everything from videos to lesson plans. Uh, to, you can have a whole year's worth of curriculum. Um, and then the other two sites are for students. Uh, PacerKidsAgainstBullying.org is for kindergarten through fifth uh, or sixth, depending on the age of your, <laughs> uh, the, you know, maturity of your kid. Um, and then PacerTeensAgainstBullying.org, which is middle school and high school. So those three websites get about a million and a half visits a year. And we run hundreds of web pages through those three websites. So. Um, there's a little something for everybody, uh, you know, in terms of for students, those sites are interactive and, and developmentally appropriate um, with language and, you know, interactive polls and quizzes and um, videos and even presentations um, if kids want, and because they often do, they write in and they have papers to write or they want to do something at their school to make their school community better and healthier. Uh, so there's all kinds of information that kids can use. And, um, you know, it's just an outgrowth of over 40 years of, of advocating for, for kids who are vulnerable. 
And the, pay, the National Bullying Prevention Center, I should say, is for all kids, kids with disabilities, kids without disabilities, everybody. Um, so that was, that was also intentional because we could see that, you know, bullying was affecting pretty much every school in our nation. And, um, you know, we wanted to create social change around this idea that somehow it was inevitable that bullying was just a feature of childhood. Uh, and we wanted to change that idea. Um, so, you know, we, we were out there really trying to do the prevention message, which isn't easy, let me tell you. <laughs> if 2020 has taught us anything is that sometimes people don't believe you can prevent things from happening. And I think that's something we should really think about. Um, but just for your audience, the one takeaway that I always want folks to really let, you know, uh, percolate in their mind is that bullying is a learned behavior and behavior can change. And so we must always be telegraphing and, and being direct with children about, no, this is an awful situation, but this situation can change. Yeah, and we're not stuck here. We can change. Um, so that's, you know, basically what we do and, and what our message is. Um, we try to be promoting um, the social behaviors that really create healthier communities like kindness, acceptance of difference, and inclusion. Um, so history and present direction, that's, that's where we are. Judy, that was, <clears throat> that was phenomenal. And there's some things that, <laughs> I mean, I mean, there was some things that really uh, stuck out. One, the fact that, you know, you talked about the higher frequency of bullying for kids with, with disabilities is, yeah. I think, something that's often overlooked. And I remember, and this is in small scale compared to what you've seen, but I, I was a safety patrol. Uh, and Oh, yeah. Yeah, just there's a whole... <laughs> a whole lot of overrated sense of duty that went along with that orange belt. But, mm -hmm. um, I had several, uh, I had several kids who were, uh, for lack of a better word, disabled under, you mm -hmm. know, in the section of the school that, that I would watch yeah. over. And, and we regularly had to, um, talk to other kids who were, who were bullying these kids who were making fun of them. And this is back in, yeah. you know, not, not to date myself, but we're talking, you know, eighties and, yeah. you know, and, and we weren't, people weren't as aware or as, mm -hmm. as, as, as woke, so to speak about what you can say is mine, mm -hmm. what you can't, what, what's, what's making fun, what's having fun, what's money. And, and it was, uh, I mean, it, it, looking back and even then it was, you know, it was, it was brutal for, for these kids because they were just, they were easy targets, you know, and it was, it, you know, right. it wasn't just easy it wasn't just the, the heavy kid or, or the, the tall, skinny kid. It was the kid that was in the wheelchair or the, you know, the kid that had a learning disability or the kid that had, uh, had braces, you know, for their arms or legs. And right. then also, you know, you, you touched on a point that I think, um, that I think we lose sight of when we talk about bullying, and I'm very guilty of this, is that to give kids a message of hope. Mm. You know, this is not a permanent situation. This is not a situation that, will define you. And I think it's all too easy to talk about bullying prevention and empathy promotion and, and what to do and what, to, and everything can be so, so reactive, you know, or so like intense. Yeah. 
and you, you know, you just brought this this beautiful dove with an olive branch and its claws, and it's like, hey, <laughs> things can be okay. And I think, I, I I think that's a message that is easy to get lost. And I'm walking away yeah. from this interview with the idea that I need to incorporate that more because it, that is true. And I, I mean, kids do need to realize that things can change. And you can change and it can, there, you know, it's not just a uh, tough walk through a dark tunnel, but it well, can be I, you know, that. you know, it, it, it is really hard. Sometimes this has been a really difficult uh, year. Uh, and so I wonder sometimes what kids are seeing as we have reached the end of our rope, it seems over and over again, you know? Um, and so we do have to continually refocus ourselves. Bullying is about behavior. Behavior can change, language can change perception, and perception can change expectations and treatment. And that's why, you know, when you come from a disability rights perspective, um, one of the things that the, the inclusion folks talk about a lot when they're talking about including children with disabilities in, you know, mainstream classrooms um, uh, is, is that when we, when we create um, higher expectations for children with disabilities or, or higher expectations in general, but we create the access and uh, the support for those expectations, everybody gets better. Everybody gets better. So we have the power to do this as adults, at least the very, the very least of it, to change our language and to work on how we speak about these things and to give that message that you're not stuck. We just don't know what to do at the moment. And and for all of you adults who think that there's some perfect way, and ain't no perfect way. <laughs> there's no 100%. way. And and I think it's really great for kids um, to hear. You know what? I don't know exactly what we're going to do right now, but I know that the situation isn't going to stay this way. And I'm going to help you create change because what's important there is. You know, bullying is so very isolating for kids and they think, oh, my God, there's something so wrong with me. I deserve this treatment over time, you know, that you start to feel like that's what you deserve. And uh, you don't feel like you can talk to anyone. And then that lack of support that, you know, maybe, you know, I can may self-isolate, but that can lead to some really scary stuff. And so um, constantly reinforcing this message that, you know, I may not know, but I bet we can find someone who will know and will help. And we'll do it in a way that won't cause more trouble. And that's what we've been trying to get out to adults. Um, I have spoken to many folks in the bullying prevention sphere who, who don't like that advice about speaking to an adult. Um, and what I've tried to say is, first of all, adults are accountable. <laughs> you know, they need to up their game a little bit when it comes to responding to kids, you know, stories of bullying. Um, they need to to understand that they need to be very careful that it is complex, as you said before, and they have to go, they have to tread very lightly um, into that space. Um, because the reason why a lot of kids won't come to us is because we give terrible advice. And it's often advice they cannot take. Um, yeah. And, you know, and we get angry. Like, I didn't go to my parents and say anything. Because my mom, first of all, told me, when I even hinted at it to just ignore it, it would go away. The girls were just jealous of me. My dad, his whole take on bullying was, I'm going to show you how to throw a punch and land it first. <laughs> yes. To which, by the way, I said this to a group of students. <laughs> and the student, this is like second grader or something, really young kid. She said, she raises her hand. I said, yes. And she goes, 
my mommy said, you don't want to punch first. You want to punch second because then you don't get in as much trouble. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> darn, your mom was what? way smarter than my dad. But I didn't you know, go to my dad and tell him because I yeah. knew he would burn every bridge. You know? Well, I think there's a, it, it's, it, it's complicated. Yeah, I remember, you know, when I was a kid getting bullied, it was, yeah, as a boy, there was a sense of like, you know, um, and it, it was just like this, this boy hive mind, like this male hive mm. mind between the teachers and the guidance counselors and the other kids. And it was like, you know, bullying was just something that boys dealt with, toughen up, you know, right. to throw, right. to, to throw this, yeah. throw the second punch. I got that too. Throw the second punch. If somebody That's, starts a fight, what, what ended, was wrong with my dad? My dad was you know, behind. <laughs> And it, it's tough because as a dad, and this is a very honest thing I'm going to say, it's very hard to not have that approach yeah. because I, I get it. I mean, I, I still look at to this day as, you know, recess or the playground is very much like the animal kingdom <laughs> and the, you know, the animal that, that shows it's, it's, it's vulnerable underbelly. Every every animal within a square of mile is going to want to take that animal out because no no kid wants to be on that bottom rung. No kid wants to be, nope. you know, at the bottom <laughs> of the totem pole. Yeah. And you will Agreed. have, and I've seen it when I was a kid, you will have disabled kids join in the bullying because they don't want to be the target. That's right. That's right. And, and so, there, so I, I, I get to throw the second punch, but it is a... Back to your point, adults need to realize that when you talk to a kid who's being bullied, especially if it's your kid, you are walking to a room full of broken glass. And you have on those shoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good analogy. Ouch. Yeah, yeah. and you have yeah. and you have to walk softly. You have to pick up glass out of your way. And you know we talk a lot about trusted adults when I give presentations. You have yeah. to get your kid. You have to get your kids trust. Hey, even though this is your kid that mm-hmm. you you've birthed or you were there and you've bathed them and clothed them and everything and they know right. you love them in that moment when they're coming to you they in their mind they don't have a single friend in the universe and you have yeah. to you know come yeah. down and, and I always t- you know I talk to uh, adults about like cyberbullying uh-huh. adults need to realize how much power they have when they report cyberbullying to Microsoft, Sony, the companies behind Fortnite, the companies behind Minecraft, because these companies do not want to have a report about somebody playing their game and cutting themselves or, dear God forbid, committing suicide or something because of bullying on their platform. So I I, I agree with you 100%. Adults, we are the key to stopping bullying for our kids. Well, that's the thing. It's important. Think about the... Think about the, the the advice that we were given as kids. You know, um, again, we have the, the and this is still the most common two pieces. It's the one about hitting, right? So you know, punch first or second. But if you you know you, you throw a hard enough punch, they won't be coming back. And then the other opposite end of of the physical behavior spectrum, which is you know ignore it, right? And they'll go away. People still give that advice. Kids know instinctively whether or not that is going to be something they can do. And most of them know that both of those things will cause trouble in one way or another. So they don't, um, so we have to be very careful to listen first. We have a tool called the student action plan. 
and that's up on the main website. It's also up on each of the kids' websites as well. And the student action plan, and there's a parents and educators guide to it as well. So you can, it'll actually step you through. But I think it's like a magic tool because where we get caught flat-footed and trying to help our kids is like, what's the next step after I listen? Even if we can listen, because a lot of adults won't listen, they'll be like jumping into action, right, right away. So what the student action plan does is it puts the kid at the center of the plan. And it, what I mean by that is, it, it say the kid is a target, it says to them, what would you like to have happen? If this situation were better, what would it look like? And you, you write all this stuff down. So you get all these ideas down. And the kid is the one that makes the plan. Um, now, what's really important for adults to know is that the targets um, are not responsible for fixing a bullying situation. And what we were told as kids, sorry, I'm looping back to that now, what we were told was, you know, if you just ignore them, it'll go away. Or if you just do this, it will go away. Or if you just didn't talk like that or walk like that or look like that, you wouldn't be being bullied. And that's not how bullying works, right? So we have to be really careful that we're focusing in on um, what is really effective and putting a child at the center of creating that plan allows someone who's been bullied and had their power taken away to get some of that power back. So we really, really recommend using a tool like this so that parents aren't left like, oh my God, what do I do now? Uh, and so that it helps with that, that sense of care. You just know that uh, it, when kids come to you to talk about bullying, they've likely tried everything else that you're gonna suggest for them to do, you know, like ignoring it or any of those things. They don't come to us until they've tried those things. Really, True. most kids will not come. And so they aren't gonna come back if we say to them, just do this and that and it'll go away. Cause they know right away, mm -mm, that's probably not gonna work. We have to keep those lines of communication open and also ensure them that there isn't gonna be retaliation for whatever happens, for whatever course of action we as adults decide has to happen. And that's tough, that's really hard to do. Um, uh, you know, going forward when you're, when you're in partnership with other adults having to fix the problem. So, yeah. You know, and I, I think it's very think important. I think it's very important that adults realize um, it's very easy as an adult to be, uh, to let fear of making a mistake paralyze you into no action at all. Right. And because, you know, you got these two little people and one of them's yours or one of them is under your care. And the other right. one is not yours, or maybe it's yours, and, and one is picking on the other, and, and you don't know what to do because they're, you know, you're not in their little people world, but you know you got to do something. Sometimes the adults just go, I don't know what to do, and I don't want to do the wrong thing, so I'm just going to let it play out. That's not well, yeah. the right way to go. You know, involve, involve the school, involve the experts, reach out, and talk to the kid because when you're being bullied, and this is the thing that the bullying, I feel like the thing that the act of bullying or the action of bullying is fueled by isolation. Mm -hmm. When a kid feels like they have nowhere, no one to go to, no one to talk to, and then that turns into they feel like nobody cares. Right, then, exactly. Then it just, it just gets worse and worse. Uh, for people out there who are listening, how can they get uh, involved with PACER, whether it be to help or whether it be to get help? Uh, first of all, Virtually everything that we have up online there is 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 yours to have. These are resources based in uh, evidence and research, um, and 
you know, they're, <laughs> though they, they espouse really good things, you know, like kindness, acceptance, and inclusion, they don't come just from the goodness of our hearts. They come from study um, by people who, who, who work, you know, with children and do research on bullying dynamics and other, other social behavioral things. So, but all that information on those three websites, those are resources that all of the folks listening can go and take a hold of. Most of our handouts um, are up there on the main site uh, under resources and handouts. They're also translated into Spanish. Some are translated into Somali and Hmong as well. So first of all, if you just need to educate yourself, which I always think is a good place to start, um, there's all that. And then what I really, really like for the listeners to think about is, is this idea of prevention versus intervention. Absolutely, we have to intervene when there is an active bullying dynamic. But don't we want to get six steps ahead of it? Don't we want to be talking about uh, something else? <coughs> Excuse me. We really want to start thinking about a world without bullying. How do we create that? And you know, how do we get there? And even if we can only get partway there to be a heck of a lot better, than what we're doing right now. So we really need to be focusing in on social behaviors. Excuse me again, <clears throat> excuse me. And you know, teaching um, things like social emotional learning, having that part of the school curriculum, really important, really, really important for kids. And by the way, the other thing about social behavior in adults, how do kids learn social behavior? From watching social behavior. Exactly. So we've got to be aware that we're teaching even when we're not teaching. You know, and it's, it, it falls back on accountability too. I mean, you know, not only is it tough to be the parent of a child who is being bullied, but it's tough to be the parent of a child who is doing the bullying because there's yeah, a lot of... they get ostracized right away. Yeah, there you get, there's ostr ostracization. I think that's a very... I, I, that's too big a word for me to say twice. But also... Um, <laughs> I, there's a certain amount of accountability. Like you have done things that your child is, is mimicking and there's a lot of what I would assume is painful and difficult self-reflection. So um, once again, Judy, let people know where they can find the Pacer organization online. Okay. So our larger nonprofit is pacer.org and you can get all kinds of information about all the projects at Pacer. The National Bullying Prevention Center is pacer.org slash bullying. And then the two student websites, um, the one for K-5 is pacerkidsagainstbullying.org. And for middle school and high school, it's pacerteensagainstbullying.org. We have lots of ideas up on those three sites about how you can get involved in your community. And really, if you think about it, it's where you are every day that you have the most influence and the most power in your world. So that's the world we're talking about. When we're talking about create a world without bullying, that's what we want you to think about. The larger world, well, <laughs> you know, uh, we're going to all have to work together on that. But our influence individually uh, in our own world is huge. So um, like I ask kids to do when I speak in front of them, Think about those places you go every day or right now don't go every day and think about how you interact with people in those places and what you can do to support folks who don't have the same power that you do. Um, that's how we, we start moving towards a world without bullying. Folks, there you have it. Judy French from the PACER organization. 
she's given you this resources and the uh, the URL, the address on how to find out more. Judy, thank you so very much for being on the show today. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for being out there in the world and doing the work that you're doing as well. I applaud you. Thanks for listening to No Bullies Please with Zach, the zombie, Orlando, and myself, Chad Hunter. If you like our show and want to know more, check out www.zackandthezombie.com. That's www.zackandthezombie.com. Order your copy of Zack and the Zombie on Amazon. Join us next week, and until then, do good, be good, and and no bullies, please.